Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I just praise your name for what we're experiencing in you, Father. I just pray you would manifest wisdom and we'd be able to learn new things from you, that we would go deeper and feel drawn in, Father. And I know sometimes that can cause us to feel like it's too much or we want to pull away. But Father, you're holy for a reason and you call us to be holy, Father. I just pray we would open up ourselves to you and be vulnerable and that you would give us insight into who you are and that we would chase after you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. As always, all the links for all the things you can check us out, buddywalkwithjesus.com. If you have um, topics that you want to hear us discuss, if you have feedback, questions, all of that kind of stuff, hit us up in the comment section. Um, or you can find us uh, facebook.com slash buddywalkwithjesus. Do not hesitate to reach out. Last but not least, if you are in need of prayer, prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. We are here to pray. So, like I said, a bit of a special little treat for you all. Um, so pulling the curtain back a little bit, um, this is our first recording of the show since Christmas, um, so since before Christmas, um, we took a couple of weeks off and so we are stepping back into this and this had lightly come up earlier this evening to the idea of switching over to recording live with you guys and... <laughs> Little did we know Zoom would have something to say about whether or not we should jump right into this. So, needless to say, hello. So, um, for those of you that rock with... I want to ask you, are you saying that this is sponsored by Zoom? Yes, exactly. Sponsor, sponsored by Zoom. At this point, I would not want them to sponsor the show. <laughs> but, so... For those of you guys that are that only listen to the to the show and don't don't follow us on Facebook or anything, um, we are recording this live live um, to Facebook Live. We are also uh, streaming right now on YouTube. So a you can find us on both of those places, but yeah. b um, this will still be going up in audio format for the usual avenues and outlets and things like that. So. Lord willing, there's not going to be much of anything that will be uh, changing on y'all's end, though a uh, little bit different of an audio setup, so I'm curious how that's going to turn out. Um, but we are um, adding a visual dimension to this, so you get to look at our beautiful faces. Um, <laughs> well, let's leave that to the imagination. <laughs> so... Um, Stepping into this week, like I said, this is this is a bit of of unique eyes 
that um, we're stepping into this one with. Having been on the break and focusing on other projects and other things and such and such, uh, coming back and being able to delve into a conversation that centers around the basics is really nice because we do so much on this show we talk about so many different things we're a little bit of everything right we we delve into intimacy we delve into 101 we delve into 401 we delve into apologetics we you know it's so on and so forth that getting a chance to just boil it back to the simplicity of the gospel to the basics the fundamentals um is a nice breath of fresh air so uh over the next couple of weeks we are going to be doing a series we all know how much you guys love series um but stepping into the new year we thought now would be a good time to start going through those fundamentals you know what i'm saying you know, in thinking about all of the how-tos, right, there's there's basic fundamentals that that kind of sweep across a whole bunch of different topics and things like that. It, it really seems like the most logical spot to start is, like the episode d- description says, how-to salvation. Um, yes, there's going to be a lot of, on, of interesting conversations on down the line. That we're going to get to have about prayer and reading the Bible and all of those kinds of things. Um, but ultimately, it boils down to this whole salvation thing. You know, salvation's one of those things that if you ask 12 different Christians, you're probably going to get 13 or 14 different responses. Because it's so nuanced in certain regards. And... Don't get me wrong. It's simple and simplistic in its nature, but I I have a running theory as far as this goes. And it, I'm not, this is my theory. This is not me trying to um, attribute this to uh, scripture or anything like that. Um, but so much of scripture centers around this idea that we have a very personal relationship with God. That it's very one-on-one in nature. And my relationship with God is going to look different than your relationship with God. And so on and so forth. And so it would stand to reason that as people enter into that relationship and step into that relationship, that that moment... Or that start of the story, that entering into the relationship is going to have a different shade to it, a different color to it than somebody else's, all within the asterisks, right? Always the asterisks. Like we always say, if it conflicts anywhere with scripture, it's got to go. So it's all within the confines and the guardrails of scripture. Nothing that is goes against the Bible or God's character is gonna can be attributed to God you know right so and and it's interesting right because when you look at the most common um depiction of salvation it's this transactional moment right i say a prayer i get saved 
and you know almost like you've got your proverbial insurance policy you know not always does it intend to come across like you are buying an insurance policy but i look at where i'm at now and uh, you know i i was saved during an altar call i was saved during during that kind of moment right where you know you get called to the front and I, i'm talking about when i had my come to jesus moment like i realized this i had heard the gospel for the first time this was th this was a a big moment um but in so many regards it looks stereotypical in certain regards i guess but now looking at the last what three and a half years or so you know which is fascinating because so much of that time was spent in front of this maturing in front of you so you know what i mean that being said um where i'm at now i don't see a version of this that whole sinner's prayer thing that isn't a bit transactional in nature at least at first and by that i mean when you have that moment of praying if you don't understand what's happening you know it's easy to fall in i'm gonna say fall into the trap but i'm not sure that that's exactly what i mean um it, it's easy to go there to for it for it to be that kind of thing you know since then i've learned that it's a relational sort of thing and all that kind of stuff but at least starting out there you know, for as much as we rail against the insurance policy approach, the hellfire and brimstone approach to this whole thing, I think a lot of us, even those of us that now get the gimmick, entered into this kind of thing by way of that sort of conversation. A lot of times the sinner's prayer or what people have prayed for, sometimes it follows what they call a template or a boilerplate, and it covers the bases. You know, my sins, forgive me for them. And, you know, I need you, Lord. And then I want you to come into my heart. Please save me from my sins. So it follows a certain thing. And while it can be a good tool, a lot of times what it doesn't do very well is to say, invite the person of Jesus, invite the Holy Spirit in to come right. in and dwell in me to change my life. I was saved at 12. And mind you, I was had a bit different than yours. Mine was no you know, magical, and I hate to use the word magical, um, fanfare, supernatural event. It was really just following what one of the altar leaders did. It was me, my twin, and we went up and he says, well, you want to pray, forgive us his sins. I'm going like sins. You know, I don't know if I want to say those things. <laughs> so he, he led us in the prayer. Now, I really believe like for children, and I would include myself at that age, 12, um, there's a certain level of understanding that a person has. We're not going to grasp a lot of the um, bigger words. And I think a lot of adults, because the terminology, it's terminology, sanctification, justification, you know, those are big words. And they are for a lot of people, even, you know, college people. I think the essence of those words are lost. So they, they become these nebulous words that we don't really have in a meeting, but we agree with because we know this is an important event or we want it. So when we have that prayer, we're doing our best to agree to something we don't understand. Okay. You would never want to do that in a contract. 
But most people do it when they want the car or they want the house. But here we have one of the most, I'm going to say the most important thing that we could ever say yes to happening, but we really don't understand. And I think God understands that. But I don't think he wants to leave us at that place. So somewhere along the line, the people who brought us to this point have to nurture us into understanding it truly is about a relationship. When you're reading the Bible, you're not just reading the book, but you're engaging the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I just want to say that the sinner's prayer, if it stays at a transaction level, this is the contract, you know, you sign it and you're good. That's all it will ever be for that person. And unfortunately, I don't know if that really constitutes salvation. Salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if the person understands that, there should be change coming about. It's not going to be instantaneous, though it may be for some where they give up a lot of things right away. And I've heard testimonies of where people do that, which is great. It wasn't necessarily my case. Um, but that's okay, because I think God fathered me in understanding what his holiness is, what it looks like, and what it also wants me to be like, holy like him. So there was a long journey process with that, and I'm talking decades. Um, so when a person thinks of salvation, what is their understanding, and what should we make sure they understand? It's easy to see when you look at the, um, I'll call it temple um, scripture that gets used in that kind of, in this, this mode of doing things, how I can see the road, how you get to it being a prayer of asking Jesus into your heart, so long as you're only taking these in isolation. That's a rough statement, but but I'll be honest. When you look at these specific verses, it is it does speak of you know Romans ten nine because if you because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And there's several others, Ephesians 2.8, so on and so forth, where it's these verses that are wonderful and in their context beautiful and all of those kinds of things, that if they're taken in isolation, you end up with exactly this this transactional sort of thing and and you hit the nail directly on the head that when we have this relationship there is a gradual purif purification process that's happening it's a gradual shift you know mm -hmm. i do i too know people that had their light bulb moment right you flip the switch 
and suddenly they get it and suddenly it all makes sense and they are able to lay their demons to rest and they are able to able to leave their bad habits behind and all of those kinds of things and it is beautiful it is wonderful it was not that way for me either you know what i mean like that's just not how it was and i think for far more people that's we, we are in the majority there and you know praise god for those other for the for the other people but for people that have that gradual pruning process, if you will, you have to see a, a shedding of the old self. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. It just means it's happening over time. Sometimes right. months, sometimes years, sometimes decades. Who knows? We're all growing. But we're talking about shedding the old self. We're talking about that in um, beginning level that 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 surface level like you know the the harshness and the foul language and the this and the that like those kinds of things you know what i mean like right. that sort of deal um my baptist just came out folks <laughs> let me let me tuck that back in um so that being said um you have if if you stay there, like you said, if you stay there and you don't have this gradual transitionary process, then you're just stagnant. It's just there. Like there's no but but it's not because we're trying to enact great change in ourselves. You guys know how I feel about that. I don't actually believe that humans are capable of affecting real change in themselves. Look to history, look to mankind for evidence of what I'm saying. That's the beauty of the Savior. That's the beauty of that interaction with the divine that happens. I'm on the other side of the fence, which is hilarious to me that I was saved during an altar call, but I had that, like, if you looked up in Webster's, like, what the the stereotype for a supernaturally inclined salvation experience with all of the bells and whistles that was that was mine but i fundamentally believe that the big part of that was because god knew that he needed to get through my thick skull and that in that moment i needed my proverbial burning bush moment to actually have a sensory experience in that kind of way you know what i'm saying yeah well you know i'd have to say honestly i think uh most people have thick skulls um but you know when you talk about change change is interesting i i we can change for the worse it's yep. not that hard um but what i thought was interesting and you, you went to the first verse out of the two verses that i had selected as your first one which was if you openly declare that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For In verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, it may be easy to miss, but we have this constant and persistent doing, believing, not believed or declared, but declaring. So, there's a constant presence of change for lack of a better way to phrase it and that change goes ahead and it proclaims to those around you that there is change now a lot of people may not do that 
a lot of people may turn inward, especially in the beginning, because it's kind of hard or difficult to do the change because, hey, you got family and a lot of people have friends, even some have co-workers, but, you know, and it's so hard to, especially if your story has been one of living fast and loose with your lips or um, being outwardly expressive of doing whatever you wanted. Then to see that, you know, you're deciding to follow a holy path, that may be more than some people can handle, and they will look for you to fail. So sometimes that puts pressure on people. But the thing is, there's a growth and a constance of moving forward with the Lord. There is that, it's not transactional here per se, but it's become a process. And I, th I thank God for the process he's put into my life. Has it been the easiest? I would not have written the path, mind you. But then again, I probably would have messed it up a lot more. So God is kind in allowing things to take their course in time and for my understanding to come in line with his kingdom. Now, I will say this because I was trying to get this thought out and I almost forgot it. It says that for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Now, in... Jewish thinking, I, I don't know if the Greeks had it, but in Jewish thinking, a lot of times believing with your heart is not the heart organ, but it's with your gut feeling, that gut instinct, or what science now calls the second brain, where it's your, your midsection has a lot of responses to it. So, you know, there is that whole presence of your inward being is involved in this. It's not just like we say today, I welcome Jesus into my heart, but I welcome Jesus into my being, my whole life, you know, head to feet kind of thing. And that whole concept may be new for people because it's not something we really hear in the sinner's prayer. We narrow it down because we think of heart as being the emotion or the soul. And so we kind of like really compartmentalize it. And we don't really show or tell people that, hey, it's bigger than that. I mean, it really is. You know, you love God with your whole being, the Bible says. You know, this is the first commandment. Your mind, body, soul, and strength. So there's a lot more to it than we first get that peek through the window. Right. You mentioned um, the rest of that, that verse. It's... I was very purposeful in reading the part that I did, and I'm really glad that you expanded upon it because a lot of times that gets truncated down to Romans 10, 9. It's part of the whole Romans road thing, which I can honestly tell you, I don't understand how, how you make those mental gymnastics work. Yes, there is a lot of truth but you're taking it in a microcosm and I don't understand like there's so many other ways so many other spots that that really fully immerse the person in relationship and maybe that's the answer right maybe it's because it has more to other parts have more to do with the relational aspect whereas this has more to do with the actionary aspect of it but just in that exact example alone you can see how one verse if left off 
at a certain point gives one connotation, but if taken in a broader context, gives a much different connotation to it. This is the problem with sound bites. It's when a mm -hmm. piece of person person actually said it, but we don't get to find out the context it said it, so therefore it can say something completely different and not what the person intended. But fortunately for us, scripture is a living thing. And if we engage with it, we're going to want to pursue more. And we should. Yeah. I, I think the more we decide to read, not as a textbook or instructional, but the more we decide to read because we want to be in the presence of God and we want to engage him. And, you know, and you'll go and you read something and wait a minute, it's phrased interesting. And that's like the Holy Spirit prompting, hey, that's important for you. I want you to focus on that. Go back again and read it. Now go get right. another verse, a version, excuse me. Or you look at the footnotes and say, this verse is taken from this or related to this. And you could go ahead and start hearing the Lord speaking to you directly. That's what salvation is. It's a wholeness. It is a healing. The word salvation itself means a lot more than we give it credit for. It not only means being saved from sin, but it means being made complete, being healed. So there is something really wonderful. And somebody said, and I can't tell, for, um, I can't remember who said it, but we become something that's never existed before we are endowed we are imbued with the holy spirit and i don't know if the word commingle really does any justice or symbiotic or anything but we become a new i'm going to say dna creature because now we're infused with god because he dwells in what the bible calls a temple which is his housing a place he comes to be worshiped inside this body okay I, i'll take it as you know it's my body look what i've done with it but you know what then i miss out that god is there not my body is the focus my body is not the focus but god is there so i'm saved so what am i doing with that what what is important about that why do i even care and if it's really as important as I think it might be, should I tell somebody else? Mm, you know, that causes a certain hesitancy. But the more you gauge God, the more you realize that hesitancy starts to be replaced with, yeah, I've got to, I've got to figure it out somehow. God, show me. How do I share with people what you've done that, and, you know, sometimes we may say it doesn't make me look foolish or, will actually bring about change in them or that they'll get to see it. You know, we want our loved ones not to go to hell. We, we, we want that for them. So how do we bring that? And each person is different. Joe talked about his salvation experience is different than definitely than mine. Um, and then maybe different than what you've experienced. But th it's the same God. It really is the same God, you know, Jesus died, rose again, he is God, Holy Spirit, he is God. That triune God indwells us for a reason. Right. In, in talking about this whole kind of approach to it, 
I have to be honest about a verse that that really messed with me when in, in yesteryear. It's Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but that no one but no one who but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Um, when you have this kind of approach where it's all about, I'm going to say the feeling of it all. You know what I mean? Like you have this transactionary moment and you feel a thing and like that's that's the basis behind the salvationary experience as as it, it was when I was when I was younger. That's all I'd ever heard. And so like I just kind of went through the paces as far as that all went. But like hearing that that especially for somebody who is more analytical in nature is going to look at that and say, so how do I know? Right. If not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom. How do, how, how do I know that I've done enough that I've done that? I've, I feel, but what about when I don't feel it? Does that mean that I, it's not there anymore? You know what I mean? Like that's when you take these things into, into sound bites, it, turns it into something that inevitably does not fit with the rest of what scripture says about salvation and will naturally cause problems along the way for somebody because it's not the truth as it was meant to be. You know what I mean? And that's something that I think we have to be honest about when we look at what a lot of people view salvation to be. And that's a big part of why we wanted to even do this because, you know, these are concepts that can very easily be taken for granted, right? Of course, I know what salvation means. I know, of course, I know what, what, you know, prayer is. Of course, I know what it means to read my Bible. Of course, I know, you know, I've been a Christian for long enough or, you know, would I be a Christian if I didn't know those things? Like those kinds of, um, almost like defense mechanism, defense responses. But the question becomes is, when was the last time that you consulted scripture about it? And, and is what you're pulling from, from scripture? Is, it, is, that, is that the basis of which you've developed your theology about what this is? And that's, that's, the, that's the compass, right? Like that's, we, we're always pushing towards read scripture, read scripture, read scripture. So I know that I've, I've picked on some of these things. You know, I know I've picked on Romans road. I know I've picked on some of the more standard verses. They are part of God's word. And so thus they are important, but because of God's word being important, not because they're to be cherry picked out. Joe, if you could do me a favor, read your scripture again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. That Romans 10, 9? The one from Matthew. Oh. Uh, so Matthew 7, 21. And um, tonight I am reading universally. Everything you hear out of me is going to be ESV. Um, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Oh, that was good. Now I'm going to throw a grenade. <laughs> oh boy i'm gonna read from acts 221 
Okay. And this is going to be good. So I want everybody to pay attention to what was the verse that was. I should have said that before. Pay attention to the verse. You know what, Joe? I'm going to ask you to reread it. Everyone pay attention to the verse that Joe is going to read. Why do I feel like this is because I messed up the verse the first time that now no, I've got to write it no. five times on the blackboard? No, All but right. this, this is... This is going to be a sample of why it's important to think context. Go ahead. Right. Uh, Matthew 7.21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay. So now there's a verse in Acts that actually is a, a recital of Joel, and it's uh, Acts 2.21. And it's taken from Joel, uh, Joel 2, 28 through 32. It's a quote from scripture. That's what I was trying to think of before. It's a quote from the Old Testament. But 21 says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So now we have two verses that seem to conflict, but they don't. And this is why Joe and I always say, read 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 because the more you read the more things become clearer and that clarity comes from the holy spirit but the more you're listening the more you're learning because you're becoming and i really hate this word but i'll use it anyway teachable because usually when you're told you're to be teachable it's because one's saying you're not teachable but you know that's something for another show or therapy or, or something else but <laughs> What Joe said, and um, the key word was, says to me, Lord, Lord. And that means someone could just say it off the tip of their tongue. Lord, Lord, you know, but never mean Lord, Lord. But everyone who calls, who calls. Now, that's the key word there, calls. When someone calls on the name of the Lord, there's something in that statement. There is investment in that statement so this is where we could say doesn't sound it sounds like it's conflicting let me read it again and see it and then we work with it but what i want to draw is that whole action going there is a fruit of transformation because now you're pursuing a matter and god loves that and he's going to supply you the answer because anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So now you're getting this, this skill taught to you. Generally, it's not by a person because when you go to church on, on Sundays, a lot of times they just read the text and they'll go, well, in the Greek it says this, or they'll give an anecdote, but they don't ever say, you know, you sit there and this is causing you to think, well, Lord, what, what doesn't this conflict with the other verse that I read the other day? Help me to understand this. I've, I've done this several times, probably more than several, but it always turns out that the Lord can show you what is the, the I, well, I don't want to use context, but what is the deeper meaning that's going on? What is actually being said? And it, here, for me, maybe you guys will have it different. The experience was in two key words, one in each verse that tells me, this is how you treat that statement. And that statement is treated this way in this verse. So really great experience that comes from the fruit of salvation. And, and therein lies the power of um, being able to work with the scriptures enough 
that you have enough of an understanding of how to interact with it. So we've kind of touched on it, but I want to circle to the position of the solution. You know, yes, this is a thing where it's very easy to get this wrong. And it's very damaging when you do get it wrong. You know, there's so many instances that we can point to. And I would venture to say that a lot of um, false gospels are born out of this this area in this sort of this sort of section you know a lot of bad thinking bad theology all of that kind of stuff is kind of born here so like we're not we we are very aware that this is the issue and how man can mess this up so for for people that are looking to explore this deeper and what it is that we're talking about let's go there you know we can look to the unchanging nature of god that he is relational in nature Mm -hmm. and he desires relationship with us and so when we are entering into this this is that's why we call this the start of the grand story right this is a beautiful moment this is there's a, there's so much wonderful that happens here. It's the start of the relationship. It's the start of the story. It's page one, line one, of the unending story, the book. You know what I mean? When you realize that you are no longer the main character, yes. That the main character is God, and so. I found, and again, this is a little bit of my conjecture that understanding that is so um it it does so much to claim ownership of your relationship with god and that might seem a little oxymoronic but if i am in if i'm endeavoring and putting effort into this relationship to get to know God better, to understand how he operates, to understand his character, to understand who he is and what this relationship means, then I have, I'm investing in this relationship. I'm not just signing paperwork, sticking it in my desk drawer, and then walking away until I need it. Or I haven't signed up for my break glass in case of emergency package where, you know, something has gone terribly wrong and I need to break glass and do the emergency prayer. Here's the thing about the emergency prayer. The emergency prayer in and of itself is not the problem. The problem is praying and thinking that you understand enough of God's voice to be able to hear him even if he did. Even if it was, even if even if everything else was uh, was completely equal, if you spend no other time getting to know the voice of God, how do you know what you're listening for? How do you know how do you know that you are listening? All of those kinds of things because it's dialogue, right? We talk we talk about that from the from the position of having a conversation and both people communicating, but part of communication is listening. So recontextualizing salvation to that point, recontextualizing it to the point of a relational God, of entering into a covenant relationship, all of those kinds of things, that changes the entire game. 
married men, those of you listening that are married, you know what I'm saying. You didn't get married, uh, hopefully you didn't get married, and just <clears throat> expect that, you know, oh, I said the vow, and that's, I don't have to put any more effort into it. That was all of the effort that I needed to put into put into this relationship. You know what I mean? You laugh, spoken like a true sage that has been sage saint that has been married for a minute i don't know any woman who would not disabuse her husband of that notion you know she did not get married to be alone and um i'll leave it at that (laughs) (laughs) so but finish your thought and then i'll jump in um so when you understanding that 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 that's the that's the the starting point of it all rather than it being the you know the one and all the 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 entirety of the story allows for certain freedoms to crop up within that relationship yes we have we have guardrails all of you guys that have been parents understand you had guardrails for your kids. It's not because you wanted to rule and reign over them. It's because you wanted to care for them because you didn't want to see them get hurt. All of those kinds of things. And, and we're humans. So obviously those waters get muddied really quick when you talk about a human parent versus the holy parent. But when you're talking about God, that's, it's all it's, it's, it's out of love. And so you have that freedom to be able to operate there and to be able to fall down and to not necessarily be performing or ask questions or really unpack these things. God, why does it seem like your scripture contradicts itself? Mm-hmm. Some people think would think that that would be heresy to ask God. Yeah. I think th- I'm going to push my point to the side. I think that was a really good point. Why does scripture, and I think of, I, do I really want to, maybe I should, no, there may be too much. But there's a scripture that one verse says it this way, the very next verse says it the other way, and you're like, what? Wait a minute, I don't understand this. Again, it's going to be talking to the Lord and allowing him to tell you what it truly means. Maybe we'll save that for another show and you know, and maybe it'd be the how to read scripture, um, and then it's some kind of warning or a caveat to be careful about what you presume. Um, I, I, when you talked about disillusion, I know you were going in a different place, but I just there was a point, two points, and salvation is so important, and being in a church that nourishes that is very important and vital and churches i think owe it to to the to the the i hate to use the word converts owe it to the people who are seeking to show them what a thriving relationship with god is in the details that means all the messiness as well um it's not about perfection a lot of times we'll put on our sunday best and we'll present ourselves in the best light but life is messy and that's not part of it and i I went through i think two well it was two points in my life where i felt disillusioned by the church that i was attending it was a local body but not about god 
And at one point when I left New York to move to Pennsylvania, I felt like I was leaving to find a God. And I know that sounds, um, what's the word? Not counterintuitive, contradictory. I can't think of the word. Neither one is the correct one. Um, but here it was, I needed something more. I was not getting it from the church I was attending. And did I know better? I don't think so. And I don't think I understood what was going on, but God did. And I thank him for his mercy, because if I would have gone to another church at that point, it might have made it worse for me because it would have been same old, same old. Um, but finding the church where the pastor loves Jesus, and oh, let me just say, I don't mean anything that the pastor didn't love Jesus, but expresses it, who's very open about his love for the Lord, who's very open about how he, he engages the Lord. I mean, I think that's wonderful, especially for men to hear from another man. Um, and it took me a while to find it. And then there was another point where I felt just everything was surface. There wasn't that deep dive into scripture. It was more like scriptures for how to live, how to be a better husband, how to be a better um, employee. So that it, I was dying. I, I felt like I was dying inside. And I remember myself thinking, you know, whether I'm in the pew or I'm at home, it's the same for me. And I took a hiatus from church and I needed it because something was going on. But I said to myself this, I said to myself, six months, okay. If it's longer than that, something's wrong. So I wasn't fooling myself that, oh, I don't need church anymore. I needed it to change. And I'll tell you this, soon after that six month window, I was driving on the expressway and I saw a church billboard sign and it stated this, have you given up on church, but not God? I went to the next exit, came back around, got back on the expressway. I wanted to know what church that was. And then I gave them a couple of questions because you know, you got to do a litmus test. Um, and they passed, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was very important that I went to that church because I needed to be pushed forward and challenged, especially challenged in the area of what do I want the, to do with my life? What do I want the Lord to do with my life? So I went through a progression of questions. You know, my life, what does the Lord want me to do? What does the Lord want me to do with my life? And that kind of thing. And it was really the beginning of seeing what ministry was like, getting involved in the saint's life, messy life. But it took me out of the comfort zone and getting into the dirt and getting involved with people. And these are people I didn't know, people that I would strike up conversations and get to know them and really develop a heart for them. It was an amazing experience. So when there is a disillusion in the Lord's hand, it can be a beautiful thing because there's a dissatisfaction that's looking for something. There's a discontent that leads to growth. But if it's out of a fleshly, my kind of, I want my way kind of thing, then it's going to produce negativity. It's going to produce um, depression, withdrawal, bitterness, and all these uh, laundry list of things. So when you're disillusioned, ask yourself, 
what is this dissolution and better yet ask the lord is is something wrong taking root here and you may be surprised by the answer it could be positive or it could be negative but you still may be very surprised yeah and the thing about taking it immediately to god you know that's i love i love that billboard that you mentioned because there's there's an honesty in that you know uh, there's because that's just that's a place that far too many people have found themselves in of you know not giving up on god and that's awesome that you didn't give up on god unfortunately that's not always the case in for people that have experienced that kind of hurt um just to hear some of the ridiculous horror stories and i know for a lot of people um the the podcast series that came out over the last year the mars hill podcast um was a was a big wake-up call and and that's only one example of one time that something went backwards at a church and was you know there was bad that bad thinking that bad theology that take that stuff that takes root then extrapolated out becomes a, a monstrous problem at at certain points you know what i mean it's it's very much a symptom of a much bigger disease um but the the beauty like you said is that we can have those kinds of moments we can have those kinds of situations crop up and things like that and we can ha we can still choose to turn and say okay god what about this right what about that so so here's the chips on the table you know what i mean like for me that was that was salvation that was that was me sliding all of my chips in i literally did not have another option on the table i i so so i just i i went and i said okay that's it you know if you are real then i need you to show up and he showed up you know what i mean so there's nothing wrong with having that sliding your chips across the table moment just again be careful what you wish for because you just might get it if you ask and you are listening you are earnest in your desire and that's not the striving thing i don't please don't think that i'm adding on to that that part of this whole topic of are you actually saved like I'm, this is not meant to be a scare tactic but it's more about you know if if that if if there is if there is desire to meet god there he'll know that and and meet you there and and part of that desire is listening is communicating reading the bible understanding what god even sounds like in the first place you know what i mean there's so many different aspects and caveats and all of those kinds of things when you break it down past that pushing the chips in moment that moment of I am now this is this is what I am investing in this is that moment of of coming to grips with all of this and yes you may you may pray the first conversation that you have with God you may have that moment that's I would argue is different than a sinner's prayer because it's not the it's it's not the the, the magic of it all that's that's eliciting the change it's having a conversation with God and that might look weird because it's your first conversation with God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a magic prayer. Like it's not that doesn't get distilled down to that. You're praying down or you're praying a a prayer of entry into a relationship, which is a different thing. And, and that moment is beautiful. That has long term 
effect and ripple effects or should again for the rest of your life you know what i mean yes you say yes to god but that's it's it's everything that else that happens after the fact you know what i mean like that let's not let's not get focused on the yes let's not get focused on the contract let's not get focused on the insurance policy let's let's focus on what next what now you know what i mean that's you when you have those questions of what now be ready for the answers and that might come from people that might come from people that god put in your life that might put that might come through reading scripture that might come a variety of ways god can do whatever he wants i'm not here to list off all of the ways that god can can elicit this to happen but we what we can count on is that in some form or function it will for me it's like i said part, apart from the the supernatural aspect asking those questions earnestly was to men in my life that i trusted and and god used them to steer me onto the right path of figuring out okay so what you're asking here is what is my identity in god and all of that and 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 learning those things and learning that about this relationship and all of that yes with salvation and this is going back to the beginning the key idea is you're starting a relationship with god that if done correctly and mind you i'm not talking about effort i'm talking about engaging god you will be changed because you cannot meet god and remain unchanged so he's going to take the effort of changing you by holding your hand and walking you through much like you you ever seen a hey joe this is a question for you too have you ever seen the andy griffith show where they're walking and they're holding hands and fishing that's the kind of relationship it is god wants to hold your hand and he wants to show you something and he wants to be a part of your life because he's that way he just really is right right and and that it's it's in that that we can come to understand all of the easter eggs if you will that we are given here on earth that that illustrate the depiction of this that that this kind of relationship that we're talking about yeah so all right with that you want to go ahead and pray us up Sure. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here, to be in your presence, to be with these saints, Father. I pray right now that you would bless them with a deeper presence, Father, that you'd give them a hunger to pursue you, to know you better, Father. They would be able to change the world for someone around them, Father, for many people around them, Father. That you would be able to tell your story through their lives how you change them, how you love them, how you help them, Father. You've given them wisdom. You save them from bad decisions. All the wonderful things you can do for those things we call a messy life. Father, I thank you that you have the ability to forgive us for our sins and make us new and to engage us in a way that we don't even understand at this moment. Deeper and more reliable, you are ever faithful to yourself to your word and to those in the world father whether we know you or not you are faithful you are who you are and we thank you in jesus name amen <laughs>